Let's give Jesus a clap, shall we? Let me stand up again. Let's just stand up. Let's just clap and honor Jesus right now. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. You're awesome. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in our lives. Thank you. We're so blessed. We honor you, Lord, and welcome you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to touch our lives and hearts through your word. Amen. God bless. Wow, thank you, Maura, for leading so beautifully. That new song was something else, wasn't it, eh? I love that song. I really love it. It's a movement song. We need more movement songs. Uh, you can't sort of sit through a song like that, can you, really? You know, to get up and get moving. It'd be great to play it again. Love all of that. And uh, so, I want to welcome those who are online. And uh, I know there's a number of people watching from around the world. We want to welcome you to us. And uh, we're glad that you're tuning in. And those who are watching from various countries, America, and, uh, and uh, also there'll be some from Australia and some from uh, Asia. I want to make you really welcome. Okay, well, we've been doing a series on sonship. And uh, people get, we get all kinds of ideas, and we never stop to think, do the ideas we have and the concepts we have align with what God says or not? And so if you want to build, one of the things about building is alignment. You must make sure things are aligned. Uh, and you, if they're not aligned, it doesn't look so much so different at the beginning, but the time you get the end of the building, it's really messy gaps and cracks and all kinds of things. So it's a real mess if things aren't aligned properly. And builders always make a lot of effort to make sure everything's aligned. And so each year of our life, we need to ask the question, have I even inquired what God is looking to build in that part of my life? Is that part of my life aligned in any way with God's plan that he wants to bless? And uh, once you start to think that way, it, then you relook at everything you have. Instead of looking at the media and the culture, which is broken and, uh, put, and defiled and corrupt, instead of looking to the culture to guide you how you build, you begin to build from the principles of God's Word. And uh, Jesus taught. And uh, he said that uh, in, in Matthew chapter 7, he, he taught about this. He said, uh, he talked about two men building their house, one built on a rock and one built on a sand. And he said the storms came on both the houses. The one that stood was the one that was built on a rock. It was built by people who listened to what Jesus said and put it applied to their lives. You don't have to look far around. You see marriages failing, businesses failing, financial collapse, uh, destruction, all kinds of ways. The foundation is not right. So when the pressure comes, it collapses. And so we need to be people that inquire and search God's Word to put the patterns and principles into place in our life. Okay, so let's just look this session today. I wanna, this one I want to share called Sons of Builders. Sons of Builders. How about that? So uh, first of all, let's go back and just quickly look again at uh, a passage in the Bible where Jesus explained how we're designed to function. And uh, in, uh, in, uh, he, re he revealed sonship design. Son design is just a blueprint or a pattern. So in these three verses, God gives you just a basics of the pattern he wants you to apply in your life. And uh, you leave one part out, it's a problem. Uh, when we're looking for a pattern, we're looking for something to model upon. We're looking for a blueprint. And the Bible tells us Jesus and the way he lived his life, his values, he forms the blueprint to follow. You follow people, they can help to some extent, and then there's always some character lacks of somewhere. So let's read in John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
Second principle in the, the next verse, I've glorified you on earth. I finished the work you've given me to do. And then in verse six, I have manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. And we saw in there God's threefold design, three areas we had a function in that when you apply them yourself to each of those areas, they cause you to grow into maturity and become productive. The first, notice he said, is relationship. Relationship with God. If you want to build something that will last, build it through a relationship with God. This is eternal life that they know you. So relationship is a connection. It's a, it's a union between two people. And relationship is characterized by the sharing of lives one with another. And so we need to see that if you're a son, a child of God, you become a child of God, not by the process of adoption, but by God imparting his life into you when you receive Christ. But that just makes you a child. You've still got to grow. And so he said there's two other aspects to our sonship. Uh, the second aspect found in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men you gave me. That means representation. We're called not just to have relationship, which is an ongoing growing thing. We're called to represent what God is like. We're called to reveal to people the nature and character of God. And simply that means the fruit of our life. Instead of being self-centered, we become a loving people, we become a kind people, we become a patient people, we begin to demonstrate in our relationships what the life of God looks like. It's in how you deal with people. And uh, then the third one is responsibility. Notice Jesus said, he said uh, in that verse, he said, I honored you, I brought honor to you, I finished the work you gave me to do. So all sons are given an assignment, work or something unique to them. God knows exactly who you are, how he's designed you, where you'd be born, what family, what background. There's something only you can do, and you've got to find that. And for all of us, as children of God, we are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to people, to let people know that there's a possibility of another kind of life. Any idea? Okay, then. So, and Jesus obviously had a very big awareness of this, even at 12. He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Okay. So let's just go to the meaning of son, and then we're going to look at the whole issue of sons being builders. And then I'll show you how it practically works out in your life in a very, very practical way. So when we hear the word son in the Bible, uh, and frequently the word uh, people are described, so-and-so, the son of someone else, you know, so-and-so, Simon Bar-Jonah, the son of Jonah. People were described by their father, the, where they came from, their family of origin, because in the cultures of the Middle East, uh, a person's honor came from the family of origin. That's their first source of honor. So they, they ask who you are, they want to know your family background, who you come from. Do you come from a good family? Well, if you didn't come from a good family, that was a really a bad place to start life at. Uh, but if you come from a good family, then that was a great place to start life at. Your father had already built something for you to live on and build on. Okay? Yeah. The good news for us is we've come from a bad family, broken family, destructive family. We all get a new beginning in Jesus Christ. And that's so good, eh? So the word son then, the word son is the word Ben. It means, uh, it means to be a builder. So if you're a child of God, if you're a son of God, you are a builder. That's what you and I mean. In other words, who are you? Well, I'm a son of God. I'm a builder of God. You understand? So always you've got to keep in mind what these words meant. Otherwise, we live out of a Western thinking. So if you're a child of God, a son of God, you are a builder. You're called to be a builder. What are you called to build? You're called to build the Father's house. 
And the root word is the word banner, meaning to build, establish, or cause something to continue. So if you're a child of God, you're called to build, add to, and enlarge your father's house and cause it to continue. In other words, we're to evangelize, disciple, the whole range of things we're called to do. Now, just in case you're thinking we're just talking about men here, you've got to understand in these passages, the Bible is just talking about a function about a way of relationship. It's a way of presenting how God operates. God uses many natural things. So the word for daughter comes from the same word. It's the word banner. It comes from the word banner, meaning to be a builder. So both men and women are seen equally in the eyes of God, are called to be builders of their father's house, to extend the father's family, to extend his name and reputation. So we are, because when you're a child of God, you don't live from rules, do this, don't do that. You live from identity. This is who I am. I do this because this is who I am. I'm generous because this is who I am. I'm a representative of my father who's a generous person. I'm a forgiving person. Why? Not because I have to, because I've been manipulated to, or because of any other reason, uh, but because my father is this way, he forgives me and I pass it on. So you understand when you start to think, who am I? And this is a big challenge in the culture today, which is destroying or undermining people's identity, who I am. So we need to be established in our new identity. I'm a child of God. I therefore operate out of who I am, and I behave like my father behaves. Once you see that, you stop living by rules and I should do or ought to do. You do it because this is my identity. And as I do this, my father's blessing is upon me like a flow, like a river. Any idea? Okay, now that doesn't mean you're all the same. <clears throat> if you think, <clears throat> just think, for example, of a tree. So if I say a tree, well, your tree's got trunk and roots and leaves. Everyone knows what a tree looks like. However, <clears throat> when you go out into nature, you look out, oh my, my, look at the diversity of trees. If you think of a flower, everyone knows what a flower looks like. But if you go and look into nature, oh, look at the diversity. So although God calls us sons once we're born into his family, there's huge diversity in what that'll look like and how to work. So he doesn't call you to give up and just become a clone. He's calling you to become in the character, the image, the likeness of Jesus, the way he functions in terms of his character, but be unique in your own expression. Isn't that great news, eh? Yeah. Okay then, so let's move on now then. A son then is a builder. So you're a child of God, you're a builder. A son by nature extends or is a generational extension of his father. Just think about this. If I have sons, then those sons are an extension of this generation to form a new generation. So sons are a generational extension of their father. And uh, you need to understand that. We, they carry their father's DNA, and they're called to reproduce another generation. That's how you extend the family of God. You extend your own family, you have children, and they produce children, and the family line, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and, and it goes on. And so as believers, as sons of God, we're called to be builders of our father's house. One way we do that is by bearing fruit, by, having, by leading other people to Christ, by drawing them into the kingdom of God, by sharing the gospel of Jesus, and then another generation comes to Christ. But we're also called to build the house of God as well. So I want you to think then, a son then, because it's a generational extension, if you're thinking like a son, you think about building a generational legacy. 
Now, we live in a world that wants everything fast and everything now and doesn't think about building for the next generation. But anyone who wants to have an impact in their life builds with the next generation in mind. They plan with the next generation in mind. They're thinking beyond their lives and their generation. That's how God thinks. That's why he calls himself, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. In other words, he's just saying, I am a multi-generational God. I build generationally. What I start in one generation, I continue in the next generation. That puts a tremendous responsibility on you as a parent to then add value or put values or build values into your children that will extend the family on and be built in the generation that follows. Everywhere in our culture now, Christian values and Christian culture is being undermined. God needs builders who will stand up and build and actually uphold. Now, not everyone is happy when you uphold Christian values, but that's too bad. It doesn't really matter. There's always been enemies of, the, of Christ. We're just to make sure we hold fast to the values of God, not to the values of the culture. Okay, so sons then build a generational legacy. So here's a thought. What legacy are you building for the next generation? You say, well, I have my children, they're all grown up. Okay, but you can still be involved in serving somewhere and having an influence uh, upon a next generation. Everyone can be involved in helping build and establish and contribute to the welfare of the next generation. And so not only are sons builders, but sons are also repairers and rebuilders. Sometimes we come from a family which is damaged and broken. We come from a history where our lives have been broken and damaged. Then we're called to repair and rebuild. That's what sons do. They restore what God intended. So when, if you come from a very bad background, a very abusive background, a very troubled background, you can either look as a victim and complain about it, or you can say, God has given me the honor as a son of being a repairer of this damage and a rebuilder, so I build what he intended families to be like. To do that, you'll need models and you'll need teaching. And you see that in, in Isaiah 61, Verse 4, they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former generations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So notice then, who, is the pe- who are the people that are doing those? Uh, you read Isaiah 61, those who have allowed God to touch them, to save them, to heal them and restore them, are then called to be repairers and rebuilders. So wherever you've come from, build something better for the next generation. Whatever your background, work with God to build something better for the future. We're called to be believers, to be investors, to be adding value, not subtracting and taking. That's a change in thinking. You're getting real quiet now. (laughs) But this is the Bible. This is the Bible. You've got to go back to the Word of God if you want to find the patterns. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just show you, uh, 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 give you a big, bigger picture here to show you, and then we'll apply it very quickly at the end. But I want to show you this issue of sonship working out in terms of building. And there's many ways sonship shows up, but the, the area of building. 
Now, so we're thinking, now, I'm called to be a builder. So what we're going to do, we're going to look firstly in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at two people that God called to build him a house. And I want to look at, and you'll see that there are principles in the building that repeat in both of them. And then we look at the true house, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to build his father's house, and we find the true house is not a physical building. It's actually a spiritual building. It's a people. And you are called then to be a builder of people. Get the idea? Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's go on and go quickly through. Just give you, if I give you the overview. So sons build their father's house. So let's look at the natural first of all. And so the Old Testament has got examples of sons building their father's house. And so that's where we start. And uh, so in the Old Testament, a house can refer to a physical building, and it can also refer to a generational dynasty. It can refer to a building, a dynasty. Both are a house. Okay, then, Sam, let's have a look at Moses. So I'm going to read you a passage, and I want to highlight without telling you too much because it's self-evident. When you read the passage, you see, oh, that's the pattern. That's what you do. Okay, here it is. In Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. And uh, <clears throat> let them make me a sanctuary. So God is speaking to Moses, and he's saying, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle, the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And then we read in Exodus 40, verse 33 to 35, and he raised the cord around the tabernacle, the altar, he hung up the screen of the gate, he finished the work. How about that? Finished the work. There it is, just like Jesus. Finished the work. And then, verse 34, the cloud of God's glory covered the tabernacle of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses could not even enter the building because the cloud rested above it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, I, I'm not going to take too much time and I just want to give you the key things that are in there. The first thing is, you notice that God is the initiator of this building process. He's the project, he's the project designer or architect. God desired to dwell among men. That is the plan. When we talk about a house, we're talking about some place you live. God wants to live on the earth among people. Now, I don't want to get into teaching around heaven, but people have got some strange ideas what heaven is. But the Bible tells us very clearly, man is made to dwell in the earth. The earth has been corrupted, and God's desire is to restore it and dwell in the earth with men. So you see the pattern here. It starts off and God said, let them make me a house. I want you to make me a house, a tent, a temporary dwelling, and I'll come and live in it. So the idea came from God. It's God's idea. His heart is to live among us and to express his nature and all his resources and share them among us. So let them make me a sanctuary. So in other words, God, this, came, this came from God. It's God's intention, God's purpose. That's the first thing. It's God's initiator of the plan. He's the grand architect. Okay, then. Secondly, it's a son built the house. He says, notice here, it says, Exodus 25, verse 8, let them make me a sanctuary, a dwelling place, so I can live among them. Now, how do we know it was a son? Because in another part, in Exodus, God calls Israel my son. In other words, when God's thinking son, he's thinking of a whole corporate family. He's thinking of a whole body of sons. So when he says, let them, he's saying, let my son build the house. God doesn't choose a servant to build the house. He chooses a son. People who carry his heart, carry his nature, carry a passion for him, will build what he wants. He's the planner. We're expected to carry out the plan. 
and uh, add our creativity into it. So uh, he called in, uh, for example, Exodus 4 verse 2, you can tell Pharaoh, says the Lord, Israel is my son. Let my son go that he may serve me. So when God says, let them build the house, he's, he's viewing Israel as his son. Let my son build the house. One, God is the planner, the architect, the designer, the initiator. That's what father means. He's the source. Secondly, we see there, he says, my son is going to build the house. My son will build the house. So people who aren't in relationship with God can't build for him. What they build, he won't bless. Uh-oh. You must be born again, in other words. Okay, third, third thing is, father gave the pattern. Father gave the design. Notice in verse 9, according to all I show you, the pattern, the tabernacle, the pattern of its furnishings, and you'll make it. That word pattern is a template, the detailed plan of how it should be done. So how do they get the plan? Now, they didn't come up with the plan by having a planning meeting. They didn't come up with the plan by having a committee. Moses saw the plan. God showed it to him. I don't want you to just build me anything you like and say, then I'll be happy with it. I want you to build what I want because what I want will be a reflection of what is already existing in heaven. I want you to make it according to the pattern, not your own way of doing it. Well, I think, no, that's not going to be good enough. I want you to make it according to my pattern, my design. It's always that way. You want to build, build according to God's pattern. You want to build a marriage? Find out what the role of a husband is and what the role of a wife is and embrace the pattern and learn how to make it work. Want to raise a good family? Find out the pattern for family and begin to apply the pattern. That's how, this is how you build. You build by discovering how God wants things built. Want to grow your finances? Study and find out financial principles in the Bible and then put them into practice. Okay, so that, number one, God initiates the plan. Number two, it's the son who does the building. Number three, God has the pattern. Pattern was given by revelation, and, and God spoke to him very clearly, stick to the pattern. Now, when you, st get this, when you stick to God's pattern, you are actually submitting to his role as a king over your life. When you resist his pattern, you are resisting his role as a king over your life. All very well to say, you know, Jesus is king, but actually he becomes king in our life when we recognize he knows how to build. You know, by wisdom is a house built. Wisdom comes from God. So we have our own ideas. Most of us, when it comes to building marriage, building family, bring our old pattern we're used to into the marriage, and often it's a broken pattern, a dysfunctional pattern, but we're used to it so it feels normal. And we don't understand if you're going to build something that's different and better, then you need to do something different. Find out what God said to do and do that. It'll be a lot better. Okay. Well, I think I'll do it my way. Okay. Good luck to that. And then the last thing is, of course, as we saw in Exodus 40, then when, when, when the house was built according to the pattern God designed, then God filled it with his glory. His glory is all his goodness, his nature. There was a supernatural, tangible manifestation in the earth that could be seen day and night. Spectacular to watch. You could not doubt this was the house where God was in it because you could see God was in the house. This display of his glory was so enormous. Okay, so there's, that's Moses. 
Now, you notice in those four things? I checked it out with Solomon. I found the same four things in one other. How about that? There they go. So let's go to Solomon in uh, 1, Kings, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10 through to 19. 10, 10, 11, 12, and then 13, and then 19. I won't, I won't give it all. I'll just give a little portion. Okay, so 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And then David gave his son, there it is, that word son, Solomon, the plans for the vestibule, the houses, the treasuries, the upper chambers, the inner chambers, all the place of the mercy seat, for the plans for all he had by the Spirit. And that's all the detail, the courts of the house, the chambers, the treasuries, treasuries are dedicated things. And, and verse 13, all the divisions of the priests, the Levites, all the work. He said, most verse 19, all of this, the Lord gave me the plan. Now that we didn't come up with a grand idea of his own. He got it by revelation. God revealed to him how to build, what to do. And uh, he said, the Lord may be understand by, in writing by his hand upon me. And then, of course, we would expect, if this is a pattern, that when he builds according to what God wants, God fills it. You want God to fill it? Build it his way. Okay, and here it is. In 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were like one or as one, making one sound, praising, thanking the Lord, lifting up the voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, praising the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. God loves music. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. The glory of the Lord filled the house. They fell over. They could not stand because of the majesty, the glory, as God himself did what he said he'd do, come and fill the house with all his fullness. He would dwell on the earth. Now, that's astounding. You want to have a look at the time and the season after that, all that happened in Israel as a nation after that time. Amazing. Nations of the earth came. The riches of the earth came. People came all over to see the wisdom of Solomon. It's like all the kings of the earth came there. It's like they gathered into Jerusalem. What did they gather to? The house God had built. How was it built? One, God was the architect, the designer. He was the one who initiated it. It's his plan to build and come and live in it. Two, he got a son to build it. God said to David, you can't build it. Solomon, your son's going to build the house. Solomon, the son, built the house. Number three, it came by a divine pattern, revelation. It was built according to what God showed him. Not his own plan, his own ideas, what God showed him. And then the last thing we saw four is that when it was completed, it was filled. The fifth thing I notice is this, that David, the father, provided everything needed to build the house. So we have five things in play then. Number one, God as a father initiates the plan of building a family, building a house that he can come and dwell in. Number two, he speaks into the hearts of sons who love him in relationship with him to become builders and to work with him in that building. Three, he brings revelation of the pattern, how to build, so you'll build according to what he wants, the way he wants, motivated by love, not by self-centeredness. Four, God will supply and provide everything you need to build. And five, he will fill it with his presence. You want your marriage filled with God's presence? Build it God's way. You want your family filled with God's presence? Build it God's way. Want your business in favor with God? Build it God's way. 
That's the clear pattern all the way through here. Okay, then now we'll go into the New Testament now and uh, we'll see if the pattern's still there. Okay, so go to the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, and this is what the Old Testament is about. It shows you natural things happening, and they all pointed to something that really God wanted to do. They were like little glimpses of it so you could understand it. And so the real house God wants to build is people, people of the temple of the living God. Jesus said, I'm the temple, I'm the house of God. Okay, so now let's have a look at it. I want to, first of all, pick up this thought that Jesus is the one who, who builds a house for God. Very clearly, the Bible lays out that Jesus is the builder. We build with him as sons. Okay, then, now, and of course, he came as a carpenter, didn't he? <laughs> okay, then, so I want you to just have a look in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through to 16. Now, I want you to see this is a, an incredibly important prophecy that came in 2 Samuel. And it's a prophecy concerning Israel, but beyond Israel, to the coming kingdom of God in the earth. And this is a promise. This is a covenant God made with David. So God loved David and God made a covenant with him concerning the coming kingdom that would invade and fill the earth. Now, and you look around it, of course, it doesn't look like that. But that doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means it hasn't happened yet. So you either build according to what you see around you or you become word-focused and build according to God's plan and pattern where he's going. You build generationally. Okay then, so let's read it in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. When your days, that's David, David, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Now you understand the kingdom is the rule of a king, it's a territory, it's a culture and laws, it's a people. I will do this. God's promise to David. He said he shall build a house for my name. Notice what he's saying, build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he shall be my son. And you go down a little bit further in verse 16, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you, your throne shall be established forever. So just to just help you understand this, then we'll, we'll show you its fulfillment. This is a promise to David that in his family line, God would raise up someone who would build the house of God. Now, short term, that was fulfilled by Solomon, but it actually is prophetic about Jesus and what he would build. Notice he says there, he'll build a house for my name. So it's not just the natural temple, it's a people for his name. Okay? And then he said, I'll establish the throne of his kingdom and he should, I'll be his father, he'll be my son. He's talking about God raising up a kingdom that will fill the earth. Okay then, so it was fulfilled naturally in Solomon, but it actually referred to Jesus, the true son of David. So now, let's go through and see there. You find the same principles. You find exactly the same principle. God desires and initiates a plan to build a dwelling place. This time, it says Jesus is the son who'll build the house. Jesus is the son who'll build the house. So you've got to think of Jesus when he came. It was not just to save us, it was to build something. It was to restore something. He was a son. He came to restore what we're supposed to be and what we're, we're called to function like. So Jesus is the son who builds the house of his father. In Hebrews 3 verse 4, every house is built by someone, but he that builds all things is God. Moses was faithful in his house as a servant, 
for a testimony of things that will be spoken of afterwards, things that would come. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold confidence and rejoicing of hope. So notice he's saying Moses actually was a servant. Servants just complete tasks. Servants don't have an, a legacy or inheritance. But Jesus is a son. They build their father's house because they know that whatever they build for their father will be theirs in the future. Different thinking. So here's the thing. Uh, are you a servant completing tasks or are you in love with your father in heaven building because you love him? It's all to do with the relationship, isn't it? So Jesus is the son who builds his father's house. He's built, he came to build a house for his father. Now, what is the house that God is building? Well, here it is. The church is the house that the son is building for his father. Now, a lot of people want Jesus without the church. They have all kinds of issues and things around the church because their idea of the church is shaped on their experiences or on religious concepts or on cultural thinking about the church. We need to see it. The church is the word ecclesia, a people called out to make governmental decisions regarding matters concerning the kingdom. Church is a people, always a people. It's not the building. You can never say this is the church. The church is not the building. The, the building is where the church gathers. So don't ever get the two sort of different. In Matthew 16, verse 18, and I say to you, you are Peter, and so Peter, Jesus is talking now to the next generation, on this rock, I will build, on this rock of the revelation I've given you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what is Jesus building? He is building his church. Church is pictured as a family, it's pictured as a temple, pictured as a bride, pictured as sons, but Jesus is building it. So here's the thing, if Jesus is building something, don't you go attacking it and pulling it down. You need to be a builder. Sons are called to be builders. May not be perfect, may be broken, may be things wrong, but he's committed and will succeed in his endeavor to build his church because his church is people. It's not the organization. It's an organic body of people who relate with him and with one another properly. Let me read another scripture, 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. If I'm delayed, I write so you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So there notice it says that the church is to be a place, it's called a pillar, something unmovable and the foundation of truth. So one of the things believers must uphold is truth. In a generation that's being deluded and deceived, the church must uphold the truth of God's word and not be afraid of the reactions that come when you hold to that truth. It says, he said, the house of God, which is the church. So the church, God is the living God. The church or the house of God, the place he dwells, is not a building, it's a people. It's called the church. Look around you, you see people who are the church. But this is not just part, there's only part of it. There's more of it in our town all over the place. Some gathered together, some scattered, some broken down, some hurt, some wounded, some in bondage, but they are the church. You've got to see it that way. Once you see it that way, we're not in competition with other uh, groups in the town. We're part of building the church of Jesus Christ that's called to advance his kingdom. Okay? No competition at all. It's a wrong spirit, it's an orphan spirit. 
See? So, and notice here, he says, I'm writing so you might know how to conduct yourself. In other words, he's having to tell Timothy how to conduct himself. That means how to behave properly. Now, a lot of people don't behave well at all. They're very badly behaved. Gossip, criticize, complain, all kinds of stuff. That's not behaving well. It's not behaving like a child of God. It's behaving like a little child. Eh, he didn't get my way. You know, that kind of nonsense. And uh, he said in 1, King Chronicles, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? So that which you have from God, you're not your own. So the church is not an organization, it's not a business, it's not a physical building, it's a body of people who in relationship with their head, Jesus, and with one another, form a living temple. That's what the church is. Okay then. Now, here's, of course, the next thing is that God will provide everything we need to build. So it's an amazing thing. That God will provide everything we need to build. And, uh, you know, in, in uh, Matthew 6, it says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God or place God's rule and order and purposes first. Everything you need will be added to you. So instead of living anxious and uptight, realign your priorities so that you put God first and you start to look at his priorities, then the other things will flow to you like a river. People say, oh, you're lucky. No, I'm not lucky. Oh, you're rich. No, I'm actually blessed. And I, what I have comes and goes, you know. You just you use it for the glory of God. So, so it's a lifestyle of leaning on your father and working with your father. That's what it's about. And the, the next thing we know is, is that God has designed the house and how it should function. Notice that this. It's in Ephesians 2. Uh, 19 through 20. It says, now you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens. So citizens means you belong to a country. Well, we belong to two countries, actually, heaven and New Zealand. We're citizens of, a, we're common citizens of a country called heaven, the kingdom of God. And it says we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, whom the whole building fitted together grows to a holy temple. You are being built together for a dwelling place of God. So everything that divides you is, is not from God. God's work is to build us together into relationship. That's why this whole COVID lockdown was so harmful because it, it hinders people coming together to be relational and connect and share and build one another. That's how church is meant to function. It's never just about the meetings. It's about the connecting and assembling, gathering together and functioning. Functioning means you've got something to bring in and I've got something to bring in and we both bring in what we, what we have from God. See, it, it's how it's meant to be. And Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, means that don't look, you can use people as a model to a certain level, but there's no perfect man except Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first stone they laid down and a whole layout of the building was built around being aligned with the cornerstone. So you, looked at, you didn't look at the other blocks. If you're trying to lay a wall, don't look at the other blocks. Look at the corner block. Keep it lined with that one. That's why you put, usually, uh, you put a line there. You, put, you attach a line to it, run the line along. Everything is aligned with that corner one. Otherwise, it goes out of kilter. So a lot of Christians, get, they get lost and they get out of kilter because someone upset them. Rather than looking to Jesus and staying focused on him, they become offended and, and, get, and, and, and get into all kinds of trouble. 
And so, so now we're getting it. Now, so every believer now is called to be a builder. So we see that Jesus is the builder. He's the foundation. He's got the plan. He's the one who empowers people to do it. Now you're called to be a builder. So let me just talk a bit about building and then we'll finish this one up. So the first thing is every believer that's a child of God is called to be a builder. Now you will live in what you built or what you tolerated. Your financial circumstances, they are what you built or what you tolerated. Your marriage is what you built or what you tolerated. Your family is what you built or what you tolerated. Tolerate means you let it happen and you put up no resistance or gave no direction. Ooh, that worried me when I first saw that. So first thing is then, God sets all believers into a family. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God has set the members, each one in the body, as it pleases him. In other words, God places members into a local church, a portion of the family of God. He, he sets them. That means he assigns them. So when it comes to local church, God, your father, assigns you to a church. So go to the church that you feel the Holy Spirit leads and draws you and assigns to you. And then when you're there, stay through thick and thin. Don't be a quitter. Don't, don't pull away because something upset or hurt or offended or whatever. Stuff happens. All families have got stuff that happens at times and things happen. And, and I've noticed that churches and any organization, they go through seasons where they're thriving and great, seasons when it's really difficult. In the seasons are difficult, you've got to know that God planted you there. You move by revelation, not reaction. So there are times God shifts people on, fine. If God spoke to them, then that's fine. If he didn't and you're reacting, that's not so fine. So the role of the church then, what is the role of the church? Well, the role of the church is to make disciples. Jesus gave us a miracle clear. Matthew 28, verse 19, make disciples. Now, that's not just lead people to a decision. It's create or develop people who are committed to follow Christ and live like him. That's the work of the church. It's to make a family for him. The church is given the role of making mature children, sons and daughters, growing a decent family. How difficult that is these days. <laughs> it's what it's called, you know. So, so in so example, 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, my son, Paul writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in you in Christ. The things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who can teach others. So in the church, Paul was a pattern of a spiritual father. He had someone committed to learn from him. He taught him and he said, now the things I teach you impart to the next generation who will impart to the next generation. In other words, his whole mindset is think generationally, you're to be a builder. Now a lot of, a lot of people are in church just to get blessed. Want to get a good message. Want to get a good, someone to pray for me. Listen, that may all be fine, but that's not the purpose. All of that is to lead you to become a builder, to take what you've got and give it to someone else. Take what God gave you. If you, if you got saved, share your salvation. If you got healed, share your healing. If you got delivered, share about your deliverance. If you got a breakthrough, share about your breakthrough. It's not just for you, it's to part on to the next generation. The, the plague in the church is people are just me, 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 and they, they're stuck in a self-centered, it's just about me, and they never give what they've got to anyone else. It, it violates the purpose of God. It, it's unfaithfulness is what it really is. 
So here's another thing. The, the Bible's very clear. Every, every believer is empowered to be a builder. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to everyone is given the gift of the Spirit. Everyone. No exclusion. Yeah. It's given freely to you. That, what's for? So you may profit others. In other words, God's intention is every believer benefit, add value, profit other people. And so to do that, he gives you the empowering. Now, of course, if you have no intention of building anyone else, then there'd be little flow of empowerment. But if you commit to become a helper, a builder, a strengthener of others, God will make available for you the flow of his spirit, prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, deliverance, all of these kind of things. They're available to meet needs of people. And it's clear it's God's intention every person does that. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, the whole body is built by what every joint supplies. Joints are relationships. So when you gather in a small group, you form relationships. If you, something goes wrong, people around you know you well enough to know you're not good and contact you. I'm like somebody, you know, if you, some people build no relationships. Then when they're in trouble, they're on their own. Nobody cares for me. Yeah, yeah, well, you never did what you're supposed to do, connect and build and build relationships and connections and grow together and love together and walk through hardship together and help one another. That's, that's the church. That's what it looks like. It's concerned about helping, about growing and so on. And so every believer is a minister of God. How about that? How about that? So that's the church Jesus is building. And I won't go into any more details about it. I want to just get you to think about this, that we see that in, in all of the pattern of building, the foundation is first, I must be born again. I must come to Christ and receive his life into my heart through repentance and alignment with him. That makes me a child of God, and then I'm called to be a builder. I'm called to be a builder. So God will give me a pattern. The pattern is always found in the word and principles of God. You've got to learn to read the word of God. Study the word of God. Take notes on the word of God. Be a person who loves the word of God. That's where the patterns are. You want answers for life? Read the word of God. Look in Proverbs. Look through the Bible. Look, God will show you. Make the Bible a foundation for your life. Right? A pattern. In other words, build based on how God says to do it. That's a smart way to build your life, isn't it? Uh, personal prayer. Personal prayer is strengthening your relationship with your Father so that you are empowered and guided and led. If you need wisdom, ask God. He will give you and help you. So if you're going to be a builder, then build prayer into your life, build the Word into your life. Here's a fourth principle then. Build long-term. Don't just do things just for the moment or for the next big hit or thrill. Build long-term. Think about long-term building. So don't run around wasting your energy everywhere. Focus your energy where you can produce fruit. Think about that. Think about that. And then have expectation that if I do what God's called me to do, he's going to bless it and fill it. He will bless it and fill it. What, what am I meant to build? Well, here's the first thing to build. Build yourself. Build your own life. <laughs> Don't go running around doing everything for everyone. Start with yourself. You can only give to others what you've got. So build your, 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 your personal life. What are you responsible for? Will you build your body. Keep your body healthy. Keep it strong. Build your physical body. Build your spirit man. He prays an unknown tongue, builds up his spirit man. Build up your spirit man. You build it. You build it. 
You're a builder. Build you. See? What about your heart? Does your heart need healing? Does your heart need uh, uh, renovation? Whatever your heart needs, it's your heart. Line up and get the help you need for healing. Line up and get the help you need. Engage with your heart and build into your heart the character qualities of Christ. No one else is going to do it for you. What about your thought life? The only person that's going to build your thought life is you. So stop feeding on the negative. Start to take the Word of God and start to retrain your mind to think better, to think prosperity, to think largeness, to think generosity, to think blessing. See, what about your faith? Your faith is built by time in the Word of God. So I, I know it could be a lot bigger than this, but I'm just trying to get you to think about you building up you. You're responsible to build your life. What about your gifts? Developing your gifts. You need to develop the giftings. God. If God's given you music, develop it. Invest in it and develop it. If given you creative gifts, invest in it and develop it. They're your gifts. They're not just your gifts for now. They're your gifts forever. So invest in them. Develop them. If you're good at something, then you're good at something. Develop it and train others and multiply what you can do. It doesn't really matter what God has gifted you with. Just develop it and then invest it into others. Can you see how accessible this is for every person to be a builder? And if there's damage, well, fix the damage up. It's your job to repair the damage. Your fence breaks down. You don't just complain. Go fix the fence. Your house is paint's fallen all off it. Don't stand around there bemoaning the weather. Go buy the paint and do the hard yakker and paint it. It's your house. Make it look good. You understand this? In other words, the first place you start is your personal life. And then you work on the other areas as well. It's a journey of all of these things, of course. But what about your marriage? What about building your marriage? If you're a husband, God gives you the initiative, to, gives you the mandate to take the initiative. Take the lead. Not let your wife be leading all the time. Oh, it's getting uncomfortable already, isn't it? Well, I'm... I'm mean, not saying what the pattern is. You, you may have a better pattern, may have a better plan. That's fine. Good luck to you. It won't work out very good though. God won't fill it. That's the problem. The problem is God won't fill it and bless it. He doesn't bless what he hasn't ordered. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be blessing rebellion, wouldn't he? So, so what about your, your family? Now, today we've got all this stuff going on. Education used to build children, now it tends to undermine family. So you need to build strong family. How do you do it? Oh, well, why don't you search the Word of God and find out some of the patterns and then talk to people who've done that and then start to be a builder of family. Don't, and don't just work together on it. What about finances? Are you, are you just living week to week or are you learning how to develop your finances and grow well so you can become a giver, so you can leave something to the next generation? Even if you've got little, it doesn't mean you can't do anything. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't do anything. Just do something. You know, I found just a simple thing like of sitting, like if you're going to go to missions, don't, don't say one day I'm going to go to missions. It's not going to happen. Give you, start building your life with God and open an account so to put some money in. And then when the missions opportunity comes up, yep, I'm ready. See, I've been building. And the local church, God wants us to build in a church. So what I love is that the Bible's very clear 
very, very clear that there was a point in Jesus' life where he went up on the mountain and he was filled with the glory of God and he showed off what it would be like when he returned. And the Bible makes it very clear in the book of Romans, other places, that Christ in us is the hope of a glory to be revealed in the future. You say, oh, it doesn't look like that right now. No, it doesn't. But when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. It says, everyone that has that hope of sonship, of being filled with the resurrection glory of God, frees himself from defilement and does all they can to be a child of God now. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes right now? We just thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Let the word just dwell richly in our heart right now. Perhaps there's someone here and you've, you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ. You've not yet recognized the life you're living is a life separate from God. It's a life driven by emotions and pressure and demands and the culture of the world. It's actually driven by sin. Sin is the separation of our life from God. It's those things that separate us from a loving Father who cares about us, who wants to invest in our life, has a destiny for us. In one decision, you could change the direction of your life. That decision is to turn away from a, a self-centered life, a life directed by what you want, and turn to Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive you and give you a fresh start. Is there anyone willing to make that decision today? God loves you. He's made a way for this to happen. He invites you just to respond. You don't have to fix everything up. You come as you are to Jesus Christ. God has invested much. He's given the life of his only son to rescue you and set you free from what's gripping your life so you could become a child, a child of God, part of a royal family, given a fresh start. What is stopping you saying yes to that? Is it what people think? Is it fear? What is stopping you? responding to God's invitation why don't you just make the decision right now I will respond to Christ today I feel a pull on my life I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me today's my day would you raise your hand if that's you today you want to receive Christ just raise your hand wherever you are I just want to receive Jesus Christ wherever you are wherever you are maybe online Maybe you know that in your heart you've got offended or got turned back or turned off or you've just neglected your life with God and the path you've taken is actually not a very productive path at all. You say, God, I want to return to you today. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Any person? Any person right now? Perhaps for others here today, you felt God challenge you to become a builder, builder of your own life, builder of marriage, builder of family, builder in your area of business, in the area of your finances, a builder in the area of relationships, builder of the area of your house group, small fellowship group, a builder of the church in some area and way, being a part of a team, helping build a place for God to inhabit. If you know God's spoken to you about that today, why don't you just raise your hand quickly and say, God's speaking to me about that. God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. 
Amen. Father, I just thank you for each person here today. I thank you for a great family of people. I thank you for wonderful people, so varied and so different, <clears throat> so gifted, so wonderful. I thank you, Lord, for the journey you've got us on to fill us with your life and presence. Lord, we honor you and thank you today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.